All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. I'm Arif Halaby, the total financial hour. Hours as we talk about two hours today. Uh, you know that it's coming. Uh, we've been here for a few mo- few weeks now. Two hours of the show. Stay tuned for the st- second hour. We're going to talk about uh, your family's finances, of course, answer your questions. It's a lot of fun to get in and, and kind of use some examples, right? It's not all-inclusive. You have to be in front of, similar to, to calling a, a dog training show, right? You say, my dog does this. They give you some advice, some guidance, some good starting points. Well, that's what we should be really talking about, right? It's a way to get get forward in your financial life. I want to give you a story from this week that happened. I think it's pretty fascinating to me. So I, I think for you, it would make a big difference. It's a gentleman who who had saved literally his entire life. He's been divorced since his 30s. He's now in his early 70s. So divorced and a single person for, for 40 plus years. Pretty important, I, I lay that out, because in that period of time, you're saving and planning for yourself, right? Maybe you'll meet somebody. Maybe you'll remarry. Maybe uh, you know, he had a long-term relationship between that time and now. I don't know. But no matter what, he's still single today, was married back then. And a couple of questions that I asked him, and he wasn't even sure of the answers, and this is funny to me, I guess, is I said, were you married at least 10 years? And he said, well, I don't I don't remember. I think it was 10 years. I've always said it was 10 years. I go, well, like 10 years and 10 minutes or nine years and 11 months? You know, what side of the 10-year window? He goes, wow, that's a great question. I never really thought about it. Well, it matters because certain benefits could be some some pension benefits, certainly could be some, uh, will be some social security benefits, may be eligible for the spouse, for the surviving spouse. It doesn't reduce or deduct from your amount. For example, if your social security check is $2,000 a month and you were married for 12 years and your ex-spouse is off doing her own thing, She's entitled to either 100% of hers or 50% of yours. Now, it doesn't mean your 2000 drops by, by $1,000. You still receive 1000 She now also receives 1000 I mean, you still receive uh, 2000 and she receives 1000 So even if her actual benefits were, well, let's say, you know, $750 a month, well, it gets bumped up to the $1,000 a month. So you have to ask yourself, where's Social Security getting this money? I'm not saying it's not a great social thing. Uh, it helps care for the stay-at-home spouses. There's a lot of 
you know, uh, better ideas that are generated by having a stay-at-home spouse receive some sort of guarantee of social security check of her own or his own money. I understand that. But let's get back to the math. Because one plus one is two, whether you feel like it's four or you really want it to be 17, one plus one, believe it or not, doesn't change, regardless of your political affiliation. Now, if you're a state uh, U.S. senator or state senator, state assemblyman, congressman or woman, well, yes, it does change because you get to borrow money from the future to pay for today, right? Oh, it's going to save $4 billion over 10 years. You change the law within three years. You cancel those things off. It is a complete lie and phony, but that's beside the point. But when they say, you know, listen, we're going to give benefits out to the to the spouse if they are divorced, well, then that's fine. Then, then they actually get both, the, the husband and wife, whether they're married. If now, if they remarry, here's one of the interesting things. They receive the higher of the two if they remarry, right? So the spouse goes off. She remarries. Now, if she remarries after age 60, then she doesn't have to count the the new husbands at all. She just gets to keep hers. So what it did is it prevented people from, you know, living in sin together forever because they didn't want to lose the benefits of their deceased husband or their ex-husband. And so what you were getting a lot in these communities is women and men were living together in their 60s and 70s sometimes for gener- you know for 25 years because they didn't want to lose the benefits they received from the other spouse passing away so you know it's a loophole i love it when people say oh rich people have loopholes well so do middle class right sit around a canasta table go go to bingo <laughs> you're going to hear some of some of the best financial tricks and tips whether it's you know couponing whether it's which, which uh, day of the week a financial guy is going to be having a steak dinner and we get to all go and sit and have a, a night out for free, <laughs> whether it's uh, somebody you know, speaking at the public library so you have some tea and, and crumpets for, uh, for free, right? get to learn a little bit. So you can learn a lot from ladies and men that are sitting around these senior centers. They, they have ideas, right? When there's an early bird special, things like that. And so one of those is, hey, I'm not going to remarry because if I do, I will lose my husband's um, benefits. So I think that it's something that has to be codified. It has to be fixed somewhere. I don't know how to do that, right? That's above my pay grade, as they say. But I do think somebody's got to address it. And they started to by saying, okay, if you remarry after age 60, then, uh, then it's as if you were never married as far as the benefits go. What this does for you as a spouse, a surviving spouse, is it gives you options. Well, in this particular guy's case, he doesn't plan on remarrying. He's in his 70s. I said, Eric, if I have, uh, I think it was $2.5 million, a lot of money. I have $2.5 million. This is what I have. It's my life savings. I'm tired of it going up and down. And so pause for just a second, guys. Have you thought of this for a second? Have you looked at the market this week? Right? Can you afford to do any kind of planning with peace of mind, with comfort, with some sort of certainty? When you have the market doing up 3% in one day, down 5% in the next day, up 2%, down 5 right? This week, that week, how do you plan, right? There's a lot of talk that we're going to end up like Japan, which had the lost decade. In fact, I think for Japan, it was 20 years where the stock market didn't go up or down for 20 years. Now, it ran in a, it went up, down, up, down, up, down. But I mean, it, it didn't have a trend. It didn't increase in value. It kind of just stagnated for 20 years. 
We saw that in the 90s, early 2000s. Oh, but Arif, what about this period? Yeah, I know. I'm talking about any length of time, right? You could say yesterday the stock market went up a lot. Oh, yesterday it went down a lot. Okay, you could say that. But from a long-term trend, guys, it's a problem. And you have to look at that. Some are saying that's the, that's the place that we're supposed to be as experts are, are weighing in on what's going to happen next with the Biden administration doubling down, creating an opportunity for inflation to continue. Instead of solving it and saying, oops, I made a mistake. Hey, you know what? I thought that we should be banning oil drilling, but instead of doing this systematically, uh, going from energy independence, we're going to force people to change their cars. We're going to force people to stop the gas, uh, natural gas, which is the cleanest stinking burning fuel you can have. Right? They're, they're telling some new neighborhoods, you cannot run natural gas uh, pipelines into people's homes. Are you kidding me? Why do you think that if you're poor in America, you have a heater and an air conditioning? I mean, you understand that, right? If, if you're poor in America, you have a radiator system or a heater system. Well, it's because of natural gas. Not, not every place. Some use, uh, you know, the, the hydroelectric uh, system, right, where they're using heat from underground water. And, and okay, I get it. But what I'm talking about is a majority of Americans have a life because of inexpensive energy. It doesn't help the rich, right? You limousine, limousine liberals, you guys can fly around in your private jets. And when gas goes from $3 a gallon to 6 what do you do? You shrug your shoulders, if anything, because I'll tell you what, you don't even pay. You don't pay for it. You, you swipe your credit card. And then you have a, a business manager. I know because they're some of our clients. You have a bookkeeper or a business manager who pays your bills, right? He or she gets the credit card. They give you one statement at the end of the year or at the end of the month. You brought in this much and you spent that much. Nobody says, oh, gas went up or gas went down. It doesn't hurt you. It's the middle class families. It's the lower income families that are hurt by Democrat philosophy and their policies. It's just the way it is. How do you know this? Well, you go through and you look at what they're doing to the average middle class person's expenses, right? Remember, poor in America. What does that mean? Carpet, air conditioning, a mode of transportation, often a car. I didn't say, uh, you know, a Mercedes uh, S-Class. No, no, no. I said a car or a bus or a subway. But they have a mode of transportation. They're not restricted to a two or three square mile block like it was in the old days, right? You wouldn't, <clears throat> you wouldn't really leave your community because you couldn't afford to. Everything was in walking distance. When I grew up, we had one car. My dad took it to work. And so what we did is we got a shopping cart, right? Those were all throughout the neighborhoods. And we walked a block and a half to the grocery store. My mom would load up the groceries and all of us kids would hold on to the side of the shopping cart and we'd walk home. And we'd cross the street. My mom would teach us how to look both ways. We'd cross the street and we'd go inside and unload the groceries. That's, that was your life. And if you were to do, quote, a Sunday drive, that was a big deal. Everybody piles in the car and where do we go? Somewhere. I don't know. It always seemed far, but it probably wasn't. Because we'd get in the car and we'd drive and we'd go to a park or a beach. Something. And you'd run and play. And then you'd come back and your life was back into your little square blocks. 
Today, people jump on a $69 Southwest flight or JetBlue or, or whatever that spirit, right? One of those three, I'll, I'll tell you someday. I'll never fly again. It was incredible, incredibly horrible experience. I thought, are you kidding me? People pay for this. It was shocking to me. And yet you can jump on that, fly overnight. I've seen them. You know, they're, they're girls, guys, young people, college students, hair messed up, clothes that don't match. They got a pillow. They have their slippers on as their shoes or they wear pajama pants. And you go, man, my parents would have kicked my fanny if I left the house looking like that. But whatever. And they get on the plane and they fly the cheapest overnight flight to Hawaii. And that's it. They spend a week on Hawaii. You know, uh, in a hostel, youth hostel, you get to live. I didn't say you're flying around and staying at the Ritz-Carlton. But my point is, understand your expectations in America. It's different. And when you affect those things, like gasoline, it affects everybody. And it's always the lower income. Because you need gas to transport food. You need gas to transport furniture, to create the, to make the, the, the mills that create carpet. So all of the manufacturing that's done, all the, the food production that's done, requires fuel. And when the administration gets in and starts monkeying around with it, and they say, well, that's just the way it is. You understand, you guys, it's not the way it is. Remember when President Obama dropped the mic on Saturday Night Live and he said, well, at least I'll be President Donald Trump. You know, what, what do you think you're going to do? Just find 3% uh, growth and just find it out of the air? What, wave a magic wand? Well, what do you think you're going to do to gas prices? You're just going to do... Yes, in fact, he did all of those things. It's called passing policies. I'll tell you, look, I don't agree with... I, I've got a whole list of family members. I don't agree with 100% of anybody of what they say, let alone a stranger like the president of the United States. I care about what they do. I don't want to be his friend. It'd be nice to meet him. I'd like to meet any president. You've heard me say that. It's just kind of cool. But fix my country. Leave me alone. Right? I, I don't need you. If I do, I'll let you know. Other than that, go. Well, Eric, there's some people, they just need a lot of help. Wonderful. You know how many nonprofits and L.A. County and Orange County and how many of these agencies exist? Have you ever seen it? Some of you come to my office and you work for the county, for the agency of services of that. I'm like, that's a, that's a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you do? It's some, our job is to help people who are looking to think about looking for thinking about a job. I go, you mean so you help them find a job? No, no, no. We're three phases ahead of them. We're, we're thinking about them, teaching them to want about be thinking about a job. I'm like, are you kidding me? Over there, help wanted, go, work. Well, I, I, you know, I sent out four resumes today and, uh, you know, I'm trying to find a job. You guys have heard me say this. And, and listen, if you want one secret to success and wealth, whatever it might be, here's what it is. Learn the difference between doing and trying. Right? I, I'll tell you, look, my, my staff, it's one of the things that, that bothers me about people that are around me. I, I'm, I'll be frank about it. Very simple. Hey, hey, would you try to get a hold of Joe for me? I, 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 need to, I need to speak to Joe. Can you get a hold of Joe? Right? If I say I need to speak to Joe, can you get a hold of Joe? And then I, I go, hey, how did it go? It's been four hours. Well, I left him a message. I didn't say leave a message for Joe. I said I needed to speak to Joe. 
So did you leave a message? Yeah. Did you try his home phone? Yeah. Did you sell? Yeah. Did you send an email? <clears throat> Carrier pigeon. I don't know. I needed to speak to Joe. I didn't want you to try to speak to Joe where, woof, left a message. Oh, sent it. Oh, sent a text. And I hit this little pinky right here. That hit send. Ooh, send. No, no, no. It's not attempting to do something. Right? The difference between trying and doing is the effort expectations. And it's the result expectation. So if you're going to try things in life, like the President Biden says, oh, you know, people, we're going to give them more free rent and we're going to give them more free. No problem. You, there are a lot of people suffering. I get it. Student loan, we're going to forgive their student. No problem. Show up at your local, whatever, social security office. We're going to give you a list of jobs. We have supervisors whose integrity is impeachable. And they're going to watch you pick up trash Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll forgive your student loans. We're going to, we're going to watch you repaint graffiti. And then for those of you that are young, strong, whatever it might be, that can, can lift the tar and the rocks and the stuff that make a difference in the, in the potholes, well, you're going to be assigned to the general services and you're going to fill three, four potholes a day up and down the main highway here. Yeah. We'll forgive your student loans. No problem. What, because you breathe in America? Legal or not, by the way, just so you know, they weren't going to differentiate. It doesn't make sense. So I want you to be held to a higher expectation for yourself. Get away from this emotional one plus one, because I feel like it, right? The abortion issue, I feel. Okay, great. Well, just tell me when a baby is a baby. Tell me when it goes from fetus to baby. I'm good with that, right? I don't know that answer. I'm not that smart. I didn't go to medical school. You tell me when that happens. When that happens, no longer is a woman's body involved. It's not one person. It's now three people, right? The father the baby, and the mom. Before that, it's just the lady. Just the lady. Just like, you know, I'm a vaccine. When it's just me, I'll tell you if I want a vaccine or not. Right? You're pro-choice, pro, pro, but, but you're not, but you are, but you, my body, but not. It's, it's like up is down. It is your body until there's two people in you. Right? So just know that. I, I don't, I'm not going to get down that emotional rabbit hole. Just let's think logic about it for a second. Right? You wouldn't say it's okay to go to a preschool or nursery school and, and hurt a child, would you? Ooh, okay. But prior to that, is it a baby? I don't know. Right? So my point is I want you to think through things logically. Come up to that. It's easy for people on both sides to scream and yell. and uh, blah, blah. Let me explain something to you very clearly. The liberal that leaked this, and you know it was a liberal. I don't know if Katani, if Miss uh, Jackson, I, I don't remember her name, Katani Jackson, uh, the new justice, right? I don't know if, her, if she's already in the uh, Supreme Court kind of as an observer, right? Watching how things are done. She might be waiting to take her position after Breyer was <laughs> bum-rushed out of the court, poor guy, right? Just like the liberal leaked the idea that he was going to retire. Poor guy he said, no, 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 no. I just, I just talked about it at a, at a dinner party that I might retire. Man, all of a sudden, the news, flashing news, new breaking news, yeah, Breyer's retiring. What, what? I didn't say, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for the party. What is this box? Oh, everything I... <laughs> 
Everything I've had in the court for the last 30 years, thanks, bye. So maybe she's on the court. Maybe she's an observer. Maybe it's her people. I don't know. She's the only variable that's different in the story, right, compared to last session and, and last Supreme Court uh, ruling that came out a, a month ago or whatever it was. But maybe she hasn't been in the building. Maybe she, her and her staff are not allowed in the building. I don't know. Maybe they're not allowed to see the things that are happening. So then it would be somebody else. The point is, whoever did it, their goal is to distract from the real issues about lower middle class people trying to fill up their gas tanks. It's a simple process. It's about lower middle income people trying to buy groceries. And when you get minorities slowly turning against the Democrat Party, then the only other people you have are the very wealthy elites who don't vote most of the time anyway. You know that, right? These Hollywood liberals, most of them don't even vote. These uh, feigned outrage on uh, social media. And I'm really upset. Look at, look at me. I'm on the CNN panel. Right? They have somebody on The View who used to be a Republican, and, but she found power as a Democrat, so now she's a Democrat. They're always angry. They're always a victim. I always say they're the ones that try the hardest. And my liberal friends will nod. Yeah, they do. I go, no, no, no. They don't do the hardest. They don't do the most. They just try. Meaning there's all these halfway attempts to try to get something done. And they just look like they're trying. And no matter what they do, if they can't succeed, oh, guess what? It's because I'm tall, short, skinny, fat, black, white, tall with long arms, with big ears. Uh, what, I mean, whatever. Right? Instead of just saying, well, maybe just nobody likes you. Maybe you're just a jerk. Right? I mean, sometimes, right? Sometimes you're not hired or you're fired. Not because you have an amazing resume, but because of who you are. Right? People are hired for what they did. That's what the resume does. Where did you work? What did you do? Where did you go to school? They're fired for who they are. They can't get along with other people. They're notoriously late. They make excuses for failed work. It's not because they're tall, they're black or white or, or Asian or or. Hispanic or Puerto Rican or, or half Lebanese. Nobody cares these days. Um, right? I mean, if there is, that's the, that person is the outlier. So you have to feign this hour. Oh, I'm just so angry. You want to tell me what to do with my body? Well, where were you when they were forcing people to lose their careers and their kids were forced out of school because they wouldn't take a, an experimental vaccine? Right? I mean, listen, you can say, oh, it wasn't experimental. Why? Because the FDA said it wasn't six months later? I mean, you could take it if you want. That's your body. Just like it doesn't matter to me what you do with your body when, when it's a fetus. But when it becomes a baby, now it's not your body anymore. It's two bodies. What about the dad? Right? Maybe he should be known. What about father's rights? I don't... I, these are These are questions... That I want some of you to consider when you jump up and down and scream something. Because in your life, you're much more than running from crisis to crisis to crisis. From outrage to outrage. And now I'm outraged about being outraged. Right? Now I'm angry about just being angry because, you know, what happened when, when you remember in 18, 16, 19. Yeah, that's it now. And, and both of you guys do it left and right. I want you to start thinking. Right? Glenn Beck has been pretty darn good about this stuff. 
but a decade ago. Remember when he was on CNN? It was one of the only shows I watched on CNN, although at that time there was probably two or three that I did watch. And it was his before he went to Fox. And then, of course, I followed him over to Fox. Why? Because he was methodical. He was the thought uh, leader in breaking down an argument. I don't always agree with him. What, are you crazy? I change my own mind once in a while, and I like me more than most of you. (laughs) So, of course, I don't always agree with him. But you don't have to watch people or listen to people you always agree with. That's the whole point. It refines your argument, and believe it or not, it can change your argument. And because the left is not listening to the poor Americans, because they don't agree when they say, gas prices are hurting me, yeah, 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 but it's about the climate change. And they go, well, that's nice, but how am I going to pay for dinner tomorrow? Uh, the, the, the seas are rising. That's interesting. You guys just bought mansions all along the coastline, and I can't fill up my gas tank and eat dinner in the same way. Huh. Hey, stay with me, guys. 888-99-RETIRE. This is my phone number. 888-997-3847. Have some more for you. We're going to talk about life insurance. What's the purpose of it? The next half hour. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. We'll be right back. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now, Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Stay, thanks for staying with me. Arif Halaby, the total financial hour. Your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Always exciting to be with you as we talk about your family's finances Look, uh, the first half an hour, I wanted to be clear on a few things, and and specifically your ability to do versus trying. Because in retirement, as you prepare to retire, as you're that person that's getting uh, going in that direction, there's going to be a lot of noise, a lot of distractions. I just want you to keep it really simple and easy to understand in your own life. If the market goes up, do I get to make some money? I'm happy about that. If it goes down, can I protect what I have already gained? And my interest that I've, uh, and my principal rather, right? I, I put money in that I already worked. How do I protect it? Well, I want it to grow. Well, that's nice. I'm going to gain some of the interest. You may not get all of the interest, maybe never. But you'll average over time, we've seen between three and six. That's kind of the norm. Sometimes it's a little less, sometimes it's a lot more. But here's what we've seen that's pretty important. As you're building towards your wealth, protecting your family, growing your wealth, providing for your spouse, surviving spouse. I want you to think about this. What about life insurance? What's the purpose of life insurance? Is there value in it? When do we need it? When do we not need it? When should we get rid of it? You're always going to have a million different, oh, conversations. My gosh, you can click on this. Never do that. Always do this. Do this and then do that. Buy term and invest the difference. Okay, that works sometimes. Buy whole life, always buy. That works sometimes. You should never have life insurance. That works sometimes. So <laughs> it's like everybody is right sometimes. So how do you protect your family? What's the right answer? Let's be clear for a minute. 
while you're saving, while you're investing, while you're planning for your future, in other words, your food, shelter, clothing, that comes from your paycheck, and your retirement accounts are low, we need to rent a bag of money. We need to get lots of insurance because if you die, it doesn't mean your kids should never go to college. Because if you die and you were caring for your parents, or maybe not now, but in the future you would care for your mom and dad, well, wouldn't it make sense to, what if you what if you pass away? What, your parents, tough luck? I was part of your retirement plan, but now I'm not here. Or your wife who said, I'm going to give up my career to stay home and, and raise kids for 15 or 20 years. And you say, sorry, I didn't make it home one day. She says, are you kidding me? I can go work for minimum wage now because I've been out of the workforce. I committed to raising our kids. You didn't do your side of the equation, which is live long enough to save up money so that we could have a life together. So life insurance fills that bucket. If you are that young couple or a single parent, especially a single parent, then life insurance has a need. Its job is very simple. It's to fill the bucket of money to replace your income. So I want to do that in as inexpensively as possible. I want to do that with as much insurance as I can afford. Certainly more, as much as I need or more and as much as I can afford. So what is that called? It's called term insurance. Term insurance is exactly what it sounds like. It is yours for a period of time, for a term. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. That means at the end of 30 years, you, well, you could keep it, but the cost goes up through the roof. But most people say, I need 30 years to, to buy myself some time. In other words, to make sure that my kids have grown, to make sure I've had a chance to pay off debt, to make sure that I've saved up enough money, I've built my career so I'm worth more money at the job site, right? So in other words, we're just borrowing it as a just in case. I mean, just think about it. You drive to work with car insurance. Did you crash your car yesterday? Now, some of you are going to say, yes, I did, because some of you did. But most of you did not crash your car. And yet, what happened? Well, you paid for car insurance. And are you going to keep it again today? Wait, you are? Well, do you expect to crash your car today? Oh, you don't? Huh. Okay. So you had it yesterday, and you didn't crash your car. You have it today, and you're not going to plan on crashing your car, but you still have it. So explain to me why you have it. Just in case. I gotcha. That is the same reason that you have life insurance. It's just in case. What if you don't make it home one night? Your whole family says, oh, we believed in you. We, we, bought, we bought this dream. We're working together. We're all excited. And then now all of a sudden, what? Everything changes. We don't have a life anymore as a family. So what do I like? Term insurance. Now you have to be relatively healthy. Not perfect health. You can have medications. You can have, you could be a little overweight or under tall as we like to call it. You know, <laughs> you're supposed to, yeah, you're perfect weight for somebody 6'9". What do you mean you're 5'8"? Okay, well. That's a lot of us, right? The COVID-19 meant 19 pounds. That's where the 19 came from. Many of us gained 19. I might have found a few more than 19. So some of you that didn't, I know where it's at. So you got to think about this for a minute. In your life, we want the least expensive from the most, in my opinion, 
the highest quality company you can get. So I like the A-rated companies. There might be, I don't know, hundreds of life insurance companies in in the country. Hundreds. So what you want is a company that is at least in the A-rated category. Now, the A-rated category is A-, A, A+, or A++. Okay, there's four categories, four or five categories in the A section. That is the, is the starting point. And then you can shop it. Some companies specialize in men between the ages of this age. Some women between the ages of this. So even though it's the same person, a male 45 years old across the board, some are going to pay more in life insurance. Some will pay less. And the difference is because the ones that pay less with life insurance, you got to think about this, they need a lot of people. So if in the life insurance world, they need a thousand people of that age and that risk class, let's say preferred men between the ages of 40 and 45. And if they don't have that many, then they need to lower the price to bring it in. Come on, everybody, get in, get in, get in. Once they say, oh, wait, wait, we have way too many, it starts to skew our numbers, starts to make things a little bit not so comfortable. So guess what they do to the prices? Ding, 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 ding. They could raise them. So the insurance companies could. Now, when I say they raise and lower them, this is not a a quick little speedboat where they make a quick turn left or right. No, no, no. They might make these changes every five to 10 years, right? Maybe longer. Because as they're bringing in men between the ages of 40 and 45, they're also having people drop out, quit, pass away. So it's kind of a, you know, like trying to fill up a colander, right? A strainer. There's leakage out the bottom. You got to fill it up faster than you're losing. So you have this kind of process of bringing in as many people that fit that risk classification as possible. So I like term insurance because once you lock it in, you are the one that is in control, right? Because here's how it works. I want a 30-year term that's guaranteed for 30 years, not a 30-year term that's only guaranteed for 10. They sell those, less money. But I want a 30-year term where the price will never go up for 30 years and the coverage will never decrease for 30 years. Your only obligation is to make that payment. You could pay it per year. You could pay it per month. There's a couple of different options. This matters a lot because in our practice, how weird is it? But we go through spurts. (laughs) I don't know. Earlier this year, we had... Quite a few people pass away in a very short period of time, I think six or eight weeks. Like, wow, he was just in here a month ago. Wow, we just talked to her on the phone last week. And you just don't know. So you you can't get life insurance when you're sick. You can't get fire insurance when the house is on fire. So you want to do it ahead of time. If you want us to help you, we are experts in this field. That's what we do. It's one of the things we can help you with. Because life insurance and annuities are are mere images of the same. One is if you die too young. One is if you live too long. And you need both because nobody knows what side they're going to fall on. An annuity on the other side does this. It says we will give you life insurance, uh, 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 lifetime income. We'll give you lifetime income. We just don't know how long you're going to live. Do you? No. Okay. The company says... We will give you lifetime income, but here's our rules. You can only take out 10% a year. 
you can you're going to make between 0 and 15% plus or minus right in there some years 10 12 6 9 0 1 3 right so you're going to have years of high and low but you're never going to make more than about 15% a year that's what the company says we're going to make it we we can make as much as we want but if you want us to guarantee it we says the company get to keep all of the upside but you never have to lose we take the risk and we get all the reward you take no risk between 0 and 15% you good with that yeah okay again there's dozens of companies out there that that offer this some are good some are great some are so-so but you need both of those we want retirement accounts to be protected to get lifetime guaranteed income and we never want to go backwards because we can't go backwards and earn that money again. If you want to take risk, and many people do, you can take risk with risk money. And what is risk money? Well, believe it or not, it's money that people inherit. Right? I mean, that's happened. It's money that people find. It's money that people win in a, in a lotto type thing. Right? People are all excited. Yay! And what do they do? They go buy, 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 buy. Spend, spend, spend. Overspend on a watch. Overspend on stuff that they don't need to. But here's why. Because it wasn't their money to begin with. They never really counted it as earned income. You see, if you went to work for money, if you had your own money in a place that was protected because it's your effort that created it, oh, okay, well, that's normal. Where people go a little crazy is they go and spend money that you earned. Because here's what happens. How many of you now have thought about, I'm not going to buy a boat. I'm not going to take that trip to Europe. I'm saving for my future. In fact, I want to make sure I leave something to my kids. You know, a lot of ethnic cultures, that's what we do. That's the the Lebanese thing is, is it's always about your children, right? You want the next generation to have a better life than now, than you. That's what we do, right? My dad uh, illustrated it once saying, you know, I stood on my dad's shoulders and you stand on mine and then your children will stand on yours. And the goal is for them to reach as high as they can to achieve to their best ability and continue down the road. And, And when you think that way, then it's a little bit of a different idea with how you spend money. Because your money is not meant to be wasted, right? You wouldn't do that. You don't do that. But man, inherit money and, and you're the first one at the, at the Ferrari dealership. So here's where it goes. Here's where it changes. Many of you are saving. Why? Because your kids, you want to help them. Okay, I get it. We can use life insurance to do that because it's a tax-free event. When you pass away, it's a tax-free transfer. If after you've raised your children... And you still have life insurance. If after you're debt free and you still have life insurance, if after you've saved and you've created enough money in retirement to live on and you still have life insurance, do you need to keep it? I think so for some people. Did you want to leave money to your children? And you're sure they're not going to be crazy with it or foolish. At least sure enough to make this make sense. If that's the case, then you leave children life insurance. You don't leave them your retirement account. Because they don't end up with the retirement account. They end up with about half of the retirement account. Where does the other half go? It's called the federal government. 
the state government, especially if you're going to be in California when you die or in Cal- or they're going to be in California when you die. Right? The state of California takes, I don't know, 15%, 13-15% when you pass away in various forms and fees and probates and on and on. If you That's if you have a trust. If you don't have a trust, who knows what it is? You can have a, a house that's a million dollars, $10 million maybe by that time. $10 million in real estate. Okay, gotcha. And, and then you pass away and let's say you owe $9 million on it. Your, your family has to pay probate fees and, and estate taxes on $10 million, not nine. And if they don't have enough money, right, in the family farm scenario, then they have to sell everything just to pay the government. So what I want you to do is simple. I want you to leave real estate to your children, life insurance to your children, non-retirement stock market stuff with, with uh, um, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, equities, they call them. You can leave that to your children. I'd like you to leave Roth IRAs, ready for this, to your children. Now, this is assuming both spouses have passed, right? Because I want 100% of one to go to the other. So husband to wife, wife to husband. Both have passed. What do you do with your retirement accounts now? Retirement accounts, that goes to charity. Favorite church, charity, organization. Right? When liberals donate nothing of their, of their income, relatively speaking, you know that. Right? President Biden came out uh, recently with an 8% donation. That's what he, he donated, 8% of his income. 8%. Are you kidding me? You have very poor people, grandmas in the ghetto, that donate a higher percentage. And I love it when they use this whole, well, you know, the, the billionaires and millionaires, the business owners, the corporations, they, they pay less income tax than the average person. Yeah, but why don't you talk about all the other taxes? Right? The, the one thing you're talking about is income tax. The, the truth about taxes is they call them all sorts of things. The corporation pays taxes, there's minimum taxes, there's corporate taxes, there's dividend tax, there's payroll tax, of course, real estate tax, and on and on. If you do an addition, like the dollar figure of a a wealthy person's tax rate, it's usually much, much higher than a poor person. Now, maybe not in percentages, right? Maybe not in percentages because the rules are written by rich people. So... The good news is today you can figure it out. Why do you think rich people that have life insurance never get rid of it? They never do. Even if they're debt-free. Now you might say, Eric, that's not my game. I just want to be comfortable. I've already saved. Fine. Then you know what you can do? Consider selling it. Yep. That's not something that I'm an expert in, so I'm not going to go down too far, uh, down that road too far, but I do want you to consider you can search today. My goodness, go to your favorite search engine. How do I sell my life insurance policy? Bing, there it is. And it will tell you how to do it. This is important because selling life insurance is the opposite of buying it. <laughs> Look at that. That was public school. Right there, selling is the opposite of buying. <laughs> but here's where it really, what does that mean? When you're buying it, you want to be as healthy as possible because you want a lower premium. Right? The company wants to say, oh, this guy's going to live forever. But when you're selling it, you're going to get a, a higher dollar figure back in your pocket if you are 
less healthy. In fact, the, the least healthy you are, the higher they will pay you. Because conceptually, they want to give you $500,000 for a $750,000 policy and, and then have you pass away by the weekend. That, that's kind of their game. Oh, look, we made 250000 in five days, tax-free. Right? So those kinds of things you've got to think about, you have to learn. But I do want you to be considerate of the fact that rich people make the rules. They make the rules to benefit themselves, their friends, and their family. And surprise, here's the benefit. Ready? You can find out online what those rules are. Right? How do I sell my life insurance? Well, what do I do with an old? Maybe you not even know it's possible. What do I do with an old life insurance policy? Here's five things. Boom. So those kinds of things, those questions, that's the key. Right? Because when Google was invented, it was invented to find the answer to every single question. That's what its job was. Did you know that? If there's a question, they wanted the answer. Where are wealthy people? Where's the future going to be? Is creating questions that have never been asked. New questions that are, are yet to even be asked. Because as, uh, I think it was Paul Cook, if I remember right, from Apple Computer, I had him on my show a couple of times. His, he wrote a book. Very simple. He said, Arif, the key to wealth is to understand what questions to ask, and those questions haven't even been thought of yet. Oh, that's interesting. He said, every question that has ever been asked is answered somewhere. It's done. So I thought that's fascinating from a 71-year-old at the time, I think he was 71, to go through this process of understanding how many of us strive for success and it looks different for all of us. Life insurance fills that bucket, but I don't want you to say one and done goodbye because there are plans called permanent life insurance policies. I love them for certain jobs. Just like when people come to me and they go, Eric, I have a $500,000 IRA. I go, great, what do you want it to do? They go, I want it to grow. I go, but what's the job of it? Well, uh, I just want it to be there. Okay, what does that mean? Be there. Do you want it to give you a monthly income? Do you want to take out half and buy an RV and travel the world? What is it you want to do with that money? If you tell me the job of that money is a steady stream of income, is a guaranteed source of lifetime income, is the ability to provide for you and your spouse forever, for as long as you live, okay, well then, that's one type of place. If you say, I just want to protect it from the market, but I want to just take out chunks and pieces and parts, I'd say, okay, well, that's a different place. We can find that. Okay, so in each case, it's a matter of what am I going to do with the account? Well, life insurance is the same. If you need permanent life insurance to go beyond 20 or 30 years, if you need a permanent plan because you have estate tax issues, if you need a permanent plan because you've chosen the higher option in the pension buyout, right? You go to a pension, they give you a sheet of paper and they say you get 4000 a month, but when you die, your wife gets nothing. Or you get 3200 a month and when you die, your wife gets 1500 Or you can get 2900 a month and when you die, she gets 2900 a month. And you say, gosh, I worked my whole life for 2900 No thanks. I want that $4,000 number. So, okay. Let's take 500 a month. Let's buy a, a life insurance policy that's automatic. Pension comes in on the first. Life insurance policy is paid out on the third, for example. 
It buys a huge amount of money. I don't know how much, whatever. It's tax-free to your wife. So instead of her receiving the pension and the pension is taxable, she receives a big chunk of money that's tax-free. You pass away, so does the pension. She now receives whatever, $750,000. We divide it up into different buckets. It creates an income stream, a very tax-friendly income stream for the rest of her life. So there's reasons to have life insurance beyond 20, 10, 30 years, whatever. I just want you to keep in mind that that process is a bit different because you're going to pay forever. So if you're going to pay forever, you need to have life insurance that works for you forever, that comes from a healthy company that has been around through ups and downs and goods and bads in the market, right? That's what you want. You don't want a life insurance policy or company rather that it, that comes from a company that is relatively new. I mean, and they might be great, but I'm not going to trust them with my family's future if they've been around for 10 years. How do I know how they're going to handle the recession? How do I know how they're going to handle a depression or a war? So when you select the right life insurance company, you're going to go back, make sure they've been around through wars, uh, recessions, depressions, monetary issues, uh, corruption charges, on and on and on. So I like companies that have been around 50, 60, 100 years. That's kind of my thing. Right? So if you want to work with us, you can, of course, find somebody good. If it's not us, make sure they're great. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me for the second hour of the show. We've got some great emails to read for you when we come back. On the Total Financial Hour, I'm Eric Hallaby. We'll be back right after this. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. For those of you continuing our second hour of the show, as we talk about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future, trying to figure out what is it going to take for you to live a comfortable life in retirement, to actually have a wonderful, what I call peace of mind. Because listen, retirement is a lot more about, a lot more than just you know, not having to go to work, not having to sit in traffic, deal with your coworkers, right? There's a peace of mind that comes. You've heard me talk about purpose a lot. I think I may dip that into some of the emails today uh, because I think purpose matters a lot more than, than what you think. You know, many, many, many people are working. I, I shared with you a lady who works at one of the bed, uh, big box stores, uh, and you know, she basically s- sits there, does the 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 greeting. She walks you in and gets you the shopping cart. Thank you for sh- whatever. And she has over three million dollars with us. I mean, you understand that, right? Uh, 
people feel sorry for her, people that are in debt up to their ears who are driving cars that are financed to the hilt, walk in and look at her and go, oh, poor baby, she still has to work. No, she has a purpose. Her job is to say hello. To, to Right? You're in a hurry. I, me, I've been there. All of us have been there. We run in there. We we take a look and we're, you know, we're upset and we're, we're anxious and we got to get our shopping thing and somebody's sick and we need cough medicine and right. And all she wanted to do was to be somebody that greets you and says, hello. That's it. I mean, isn't that amazing? What purpose is that? To just be a friendly face, to look at you in the eyes. Ooh, what a concept. Look at you in the eyes and say, hello. So remember, it's a lot more than just money. It's about purpose. It's about living a comfortable life, having peace of mind, not waking up every morning being worried, not having to cut coupons just to make sure that you can buy the groceries that you need, right? Stand in the line with your car for an hour and a half to get gas at Sam's Club or Costco because you can save 10 cents a gallon or 20 cents a gallon, whatever it is. I mean, you understand people don't value time as much as they value money. Now, you can go to the extremes, right? I'll give you an hour free time for a penny. Okay, I value time. Or, uh, you know, work for me for an hour and I'll give you a million dollars. Okay, now I value money, right? I'll give you my hour for a million dollars. So the extremes, forget that. It's usually a sign of lack of intelligence when all you do is go to the extremes and stomp your foot. Right? Look at the arguments on social media. That's very easy to to see. Right? People start making, you know, accusations. Well, you must be a well, why don't you just talk about the facts? Uh oh, I get it. Lack of intelligence. Uh-huh. That's the reason. That's okay. Stomp your foot. Roll around in the you know, aisle number four. That's fine. We see that. The little four-year-olds do that. Stomp their foot, scream and yell. This is time for you guys to have peace of mind. And if that purpose means you're going to create or build a lifestyle where you can now get involved and not worry about the, the money part of it, I, I think that's part of my job, right? Okay, so here's a, a, an email from Dan. Dan says, I'm 63 years old and I'm retired. I have about $1.2 million in a combination of all my retirement accounts. And I'm concerned with the recent volatility in the markets. Now, folks, I got this. I'm just pausing for a second. I got this email uh, before this week's craziness, right? 500 points up, 500 points down kind of thing. So so if he was concerned before, he's better darn well be concerned now. So my concern is with the recent volatility in the markets when it comes to losing some of my money. I'm recently widowed and only have to care for myself. Since my social security and pension cover all of my expenses, should I put some of my money at risk in the market? Before this recent decline, I had an average of about 10% a year for the last five years. I don't need the money to live on now, but I expect to need it in the near future. My house is paid off and so are all of my debts, but I do want to travel a lot. Okay. Well, you know, the policeman in me, the investigator from from many, many years ago, uh, here's what I see. He's 63 and he's starting Social Security, which means he started it early. So he's getting a little bit of a discount. He's not going to receive the big, big chunk of money. That's a problem later on. The first few years, it's not a huge problem. And as long as he's good with his money or if he has enough to live on, and then, then I'm okay with t- starting Social Security early, especially when there isn't somebody else to leave, leave it to if he passes. 
So he says he has 1.2 million in a combination of retirement accounts. Here's what I would do. Look, whenever you take money out of a retirement account for any purpose, whether it's a monthly income, whether it's because you want to buy your son a house, whatever it is, whenever you do that, you have to pay about half in taxes, maybe a little less, a little more, depending on your tax bracket. But in other words, if you want to pull out $100,000, you're going to have to take out about 180 to 200. You take it out, you give the government 80,000, you get to keep 100. You give the government 100, you get 100. I mean, you realize that. So the retirement accounts are not designed, the job of these monies are not designed to, to take out big chunks and pieces and parts like a savings account. It is not a savings account. You have to kind of get that through your head, guys. I, I get it. You open the statement, you open your laptop, and you look, and it says $1.2 million, and you think you're rich. You're not. You really only have about seven hundred, six hundred thousand. 600000 The government has the other six they They're just letting you care for it. You don't have $1.2 million. I mean, you follow me? And that's not hyperbole, guys. That's the facts. And I can tell you this, it's only going to get worse. Because... The left is still in control and will be for quite a while. They're going to do as much damage to this country, economically speaking, as they can. They're going to run the train into the ground, you know, 24-7. That's their job. Their job is to destroy the economy for middle class and lower middle class people. That's their job because then you're subject to their rule, right? Then, then you need them for the, the, the bread lines, right? The soup kitchens. Well, now they call it welfare and chip and, and chat and scan and whatever else they call it, right? You get your, your welfare debit card, so you, there's no embarrassment. You just kind of swipe it real quick. Nobody sees. You put it in the little you know, chip thing. Boom. Uh, hello. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. There's no shame. Uh, maybe there shouldn't be shame. I'm not saying there, there should be, but you understand it's different than what it was. It's now just, man, I expect to get my check. Where's my check? Yeah, but you didn't do anything. But where's my check? So Dan has sacrificed, he and his wife, he's now a widow. He has sacrificed through his entire life to save this amount of money. It's a great amount of money. So here's what I would do. I want you to travel. But here's what I would do with it, Dan. I would take a portion of your income right now and save it, right? So let's say, I don't know, $200 a month. I'm just picking a number. You put it into a savings account. And then whenever you need to travel, you can take money from your retirement accounts and drop it into that account. Right? So in other words, you've already saved post-tax money, maybe $5,000. You want to take a trip and you need another five. Great. Well, only that 5,000 is taxable. So now you can spend $10,000 on your trip, whether it's a cruise or you're going to hop around Europe or wine country, whatever it might be. You can do that by taking out pieces and parts from the 1.2. What would I do? Well, I think inflation is going to be your enemy because your pension and social security, we lock that in at a lower age. So what would I do? I would take half of that 1.2. I would put it in a solid fixed indexed annuity strategy where you can start income, I don't know, 10 years from now if you wanted. You could start it in five years if you want. We've, we've created an income strategy by only using 600. The job of that is to, to be there for you in what's called the slow-go years. Tom Hegna says it's very clear. The first 10 years are the go-go years. Dan is a perfect example of that. From 63 to 73, he's probably going to be going, going, going. From 73 to 83, he's probably going to slow it down a little bit. 
Well, that can sometimes increase the cost of living because he's going to need health care, because he's locked in his pension at a lower uh, bracket, because he's locked in Social Security at a lower bracket, a lower income bracket. So we need to make sure that we can fill the gap. So that's what I would use 600000 for. The other 600000 I'd probably separate it into two buckets. I would do three hundred, just in a savings account at the credit union. That's it. What's the job of that money? That's the emergency, I need it, give it to me now money. That's the, I need a new roof on the house. Right? That, that's the, uh, I'm going to sell my house and, and travel the world and, and I need money to, to, to do that. You can do that. that that's the 300000 emergency bucket. Remember, you and, the, you and the government are partners. So you really have about 150000 if you're going to take it out in one big chunk. So just kind of keep that in mind, okay? So you have a partner with that account, but certainly 300 is a big chunk. The other 300,000, I would put it into an account that you could stagger. You could start give me give me 20, 30,000 dollars a year for your income between now and 10 years. So today and 10 years, I'd have 300,000. Pull out 30,000 a year if you need it. It's another 2,500 a month. We'd use half of that big chunk, right? That 300000 that's sitting in the credit union or savings. That's that emergency money. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. So I'd have probably three or four accounts. The job of that money is very simple. Do you want to keep some in the market? You can do that. Should I put at least some of my money in the market uh, at risk? That's his question. The answer is it's up to you. You just figure out how much are you willing to lose and I don't mean that to be rude, but how much are you willing to lose? If you say, I can lose $100,000, well, that's what you put in the market. Knowing that you probably won't lose it all, but if 100 goes down to 75 or 50 or 25, it doesn't change your life, right? It's the, it's the Vegas money, as they say. You go gamble, you go get creative, you play. You can do that. That's what that money's about. What I don't want you to do is to have those funds sit around in the market and watch 1.2 become 800,000 in the next few months because that could happen. And if 1.2 million becomes 1.5, what does that do to your life? Nothing. Everything we need to do can be achieved right now. You've run the race. It's over. Stop running. Stop taking the risk. But if you think your life is going to be so much better, improved, so amazing, if 1.2 million becomes 1.5 or 2, then keep it in the risk. Keep it in the market. You see, because the analysis that you all have to do on your accounts is very simple. Everybody thinks they're going to be rich. Rich by the weekend, um, crypto, uh, the network marketing. They're all designed to teach you by the weekend you're going to double your money. And some of you might. Right? There are people that invent things all the time and become millionaires in five years. There are people that start companies all the time. It's not, a, it's not an anomaly anymore. But if this is the rest of your life money, you decide how much of that you're willing to risk. And if you say some, then you decide what that number, number is. The rest of it, then you break it down and I would put it in two or three safe places, maybe four, clean it up, go on to life. Because creating a systematic stream of income, for example, I hope your pension and social security come on different days. 
like, you know, the first and the 10th or the 10th and the 20th. Because I want you to have many streams of income depositing in your bank account every single month. Two and three and four different checks or deposits. That makes life kind of fun, doesn't it? You were used to that when you worked. Most of you got two checks a month or every other, every other Friday or first and 15th, whatever it might be. So it became a kind of a normal expectation. So I want you to have that same kind of expectation because most of us are not comfortable with pieces and parts and income coming in. And then one month we made nothing. And then one month, 50,000. And then one month, nothing. Most of us can't handle that heartburn that comes with that, right? As I say, the lack of peace of mind. So we need, what do we need? Well, we need that consistency. And I like that. So Dan, last question for you, uh, something that I think you need to ask yourself. Do you plan on staying in California for the rest of your life? Is that something? You didn't mention children, so I don't know if you have any or not. Sometimes we go where our kids go, right? Or we certainly go where the grandkids go. They, They take us wherever they go, we go. But ask yourself, if you're going to leave California, then that means eventually you will have to sell your home if you want to. I mean, you might keep it. If you choose to keep it, we will need some of this money, maybe for a down payment. That's a, that's a big mistake, but people do that all the time because this is not down payment money for a house. It's income money. That's why the government gave you all those benefits. Defer the taxes, put in a lot of money, invested in a variety of places. That's All of that exists because the government says, and when the time comes for you to retire, I don't want you on my back. You need to take care of yourself. It's the same reason they give benefits to people that own rental property. Your job is to help uh, provide residences for America. So we're going to give you all these little benefits, all these tax breaks, et cetera, for rental property. But, you know, when things don't go well, don't blame us, says the government. That was your idea, not mine. We just said it's possible. You're the one that says you're going to do it. So I want you to kind of ask yourself this question. Am I going to stay in the state of California? Because if you are, then there might be an opportunity for us to kind of go through and ask yourself, Will I need all this money? Right? Will I need all this money? And most of you are going to say no. You see, most Americans die never touching the vast majority of their retirement accounts. It doesn't matter, statistically speaking, whether it's 100000 or a $1 million or $10 million. Because nobody knows when they're going to die. So what do they do? Well, they just leave the account to their children. And I covered this earlier. When you leave the account to your children and it's retirement, you have to ask yourself, why? Why would I do that? Because you've just given them an enormous tax burden. Now, where do I want you to leave that money? Retirement money? Dan and everybody else? Leave that to a charity or a church or an organization. Because then your retirement account, they get 100% of it. Right, you want to you want to double your contribution to a church or a charity when you die? Just give them your retirement account. Because if you give them $100,000, they get to keep all 100. But if you give them 
If you give your kids 100000 they only get to keep about fifty. So the, the challenge that you have to ask yourself is, do I still want to leave money to my kids? Fine. And then how much do I leave to my kids? Right? So let's leave them life insurance. Let's leave them that house that's paid off. That's a tax-free event for them. If you're going to go through your life and say, well, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care what happens after I die. Right? I've heard that. Let the government keep it. No big deal. Okay, well then, vote Democrat. Let them take it while you're alive. Now you'll feel it, right? <laughs> you would not, you would not have that same kind of. Uh, you would not have that same kind of response if you were alive watching somebody blow the money that you've worked your entire life for. Right? Some of you think you do that. You have that response because you you stand up to the crummy. Uh, you know, taxes in the state of California. But you know they have to raise taxes. We're already a state with junk bond status, basically. That means they're going to raise taxes. So if you can create a way to pass on money without getting sucked into that tax trap that the state of California has, whether you're not here, okay, fine, you move somewhere else. That's a big savings right away. If your beneficiaries live in the other state, that's even more important especially if they're in a state without income tax, like Washington State, Delaware, the state of, California, uh, the state of uh, Nevada, Texas, Florida, Tennessee, right, Wyoming. Those states don't have an income tax. And that myriad of, of places to live as a place of residence means that when they receive those funds, no state of California tax. So here's a side note, Dan. You still own the house, and here's my concern. You're going to have bills on the house. I think they're going to raise property taxes on your house. I get it. You're going to say, I have Prop 13. I have Prop 13. doesn't matter. They're not going to call them property taxes. You know what they're going to do? They're going to do something very simple. They're going to go through with the uh, property tax and they're going to raise it whatever they can raise it up to prop 13 then they're going to give you a property assessment yeah it's just an assessment uh it's it's for the value of your house above and they'll pick a number above five hundred thousand, above a million whatever they they choose because we're only going to go after the rich people right you guys are all going to say leave it up to it's the rich people Let's go after them so that that 10 million dollars we want a, a billion or they're going to call it a billionaire tax you know why because a millionaire in California is almost everybody that owns a house. When you add that, plus some jewelry, plus some gold coins, plus your retirement account, poof, you're a millionaire in the state of California. You understand that? So that's important. You look at this because in your life, you might be in a position to think you've paid everything off but can't afford the property taxes. So, Dan, what I would do is part of this money would be set aside to give you that extra income, like a, a treadmill, to be able to be there so that it can create and build what? Income and help you pay your property taxes. That's pretty important. Okay? Because I don't want you to be in a position where you run out of money or you're living comfortably and yet you can't afford the house. 
We've seen that. That was the whole idea of Prop 13. They were chasing women out of the house, old ladies and old men that couldn't afford this ever. They've been in the house for 30 years. The property taxes were growing, growing. They paid it off a long time ago. And now they have property taxes that they can't afford. That was the whole purpose of Prop 13. To, to, the government should have restricted spending. That's what they should do. They're just not doing it. Well, it's very simple. What the government does, state of California, the Democrats, they're just spending and spending. Every time you turn around, there's another spending, spending, spending. Right? You have to ask yourself, what are they going to do to pay the bills? And if you stay in the state of California, it's raising property tax. All right, we're going to finish up here in just a second. I want to, we've got a, a, a break and I've got an interesting email, I think that'll kind of shock you really, because for most of you, you don't understand how most people in life, husband and wife, how they plan to save and what they plan on doing with their retirement. You've already made a, a decision, good, bad, or, or not so good. And it's too late for some of you when it comes to the pension. So we have a solution for you when we come back. Stay with me, guys. Let me give you the phone number. It's 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. That's 888-997-3847. Also, you can get a hold of me. You can send an email to arif at tfswealth.com. So arif, A-R-I-F, at TFS stands for Total Financial Solutions, tfswealth.com. And TFS Financial Insurance Services, that's our company. That's our job is to really kind of walk through and see if we can build a financial strategy. We work with your CPAs. So we stay in our lane, your attorneys, tax attorneys. If you have tax issues, CPAs, your state planning attorneys, we all kind of get into our own lane there. And together, I'm a certified estate planner. I want a CPA who's literally a CPA. Uh, not somebody who's just an enrolled agent or tax preparer, but we want to work with somebody who has knowledge, deep understanding of what the, the levers that we pull, what is the consequence. You get to make the final decision. You decide how much money you want safe. You decide what type of account you want. We explain the features of each account, the pros and cons. This one does this, but not that. This one does this and that, but here's the drawback. And you can say, oh, I'm okay with two of those, but not that other one. Fantastic. I want you to have a living trust. Everybody, including you, Dan, at 63 years old, you may live another 30 years, but a living trust, a revocable living trust that's going to protect your home and all of your assets from probate, certainly from infighting that's going to happen, that, that uh, does happen in families, right? Whether it's your niece, your nephew, your uncle, your kids, somebody's going to inherit your money. And I want it to be done properly. So consider that as well. Thanks for staying with me. When we come back, I've got the second email. Wait till you hear. We'll be back after this. I'm Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour on your place for news talk and information. We'll be right back. Total Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Hallaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now Arif has a plan for me, higher income strategy, I'll retire. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. 
power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halaby, the total financial hour. This is TFS Financial Insurance Services. Our job is to kind of help you get out of debt, manage money, plan for the future, walk through this part of your life with peace of mind, with a comfort level of knowing or at least really having a strong belief that you've reached this this age, whatever it might be, in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or, or even 80s. And, and through this period of time, you're not going to take the kind of risk that you did when you were younger, right? When you're 30, 40 years old, what do you have? You have time. So you can make a big mistake, right? In my 20s, I made a big financial mistake. And who was there with me uh, to... To comfort me, if you will, was my wife. And what did she say? She said, well, it's a good thing that it happened when we're young. We have time to make it up. Oh, my word. That's a lady that was probably 24 or 5 years old at the time. The insight, the knowledge. I was shocked. Wow. So the same kind of thing holds true for you if you made mistakes. I want you to really think about this, especially if they're more recent, because there are some statute of limitations. But if you have a loss, if you have a bad investment, something that went sideways, maybe you were scammed or tricked. I want you to contact your CPA, your tax preparer, and ask them about it. You, you can call us and ask as well. There might be some things you can do. Is it a crime? Do you need a police report? Do you, or want, do you want to write it off or deduct it on your taxes? You might be able to. There's a lot of bad investments that chug along and create, if you will, a, a tax write-off. It's not our first choice. I'd rather make money and pay taxes on the gains, but at least if I have a bad investment or I was scammed or it was tricked, uh, well, now at least I have on the other the, the other side a, a tax benefit. So ask yourself that, right? All right. Okay, this next uh, email comes from Mike and Donna. Uh, so Donna is the author, as you can imagine. Uh, my husband and I have been listeners to your show for over 10 years. We always loved the idea of safer money for our retirement money, but we still kept our money in the market while my husband was working. We did not think it was right for us at the time, but now we are ready. Oh, okay, nice. We are both retired and have saved over $3 million in our retirement accounts. Good for you guys. Can we start with 500000 and then develop a saving or a spending plan with that? Also, my husband's pension will be cut in half if he dies first. Since both of us are very healthy, I do not expect that to be anytime soon, but I would really like to make sure that my income does not decrease by half later on. Is that something you think you can protect? Well, Donna, yes, the answer is yes, we can. Uh, That's part of what these accounts and these kind of products do. What they're not good for is to grow your money and take it all in a very tax-friendly manner. For most retirement accounts, that's not how they work. It's not a function of the products necessarily, but it is a function of the IRS code. So for example, in your world, in our world, you might say, oh, I want to you know, remodel the kitchen. Give me $100,000 or I want to redo this or I want to buy a new car. That's nice, but that's not what this money is for because it's retirement money. Where most Americans make mistakes, where they, they get in over their head financially speaking, is they go down the road and they say things like, oh, my retirement account is just like my savings account. Well, not necessarily. I mean, maybe if it's an emergency, there's some rules or benefits that you can access the funds. But where you can really get yourself into trouble, well, 
It's if you think that you're going to take these out in pieces and parts. I think slowly, gradually increasing your income is the answer to go or, or, or drastically increasing your income. But it's the income. It's the systematic portion is, uh, that benefits you from these types of recounts. Okay. So you say uh, you've retired and saved over $3 million in your retirement accounts. Can you start with 500000 Absolutely. Look, guys, with most of the accounts, ready for this? It's not, you can start with $20,000. So if you want to be a client of ours, the companies that we work with, $20,000. So you don't need millions. I use these as examples because there's a lot more moving parts. But you can start with us for $20,000. It's not, And you, you will get the same respect, the same time, everything in our office. Because that's how I started. Somebody did that for me when I was 18, 19 years old. Except I started with $500 back then. And it took me months to save that. Even though I had a job and I was in school, my job was part-time, but I also had a girlfriend. <laughs> so money in, money out. What was left over? Well, it took me a while to save an extra 500 to open my account. I remember that. Steve Williams on the corner of Ventura and I want to say Sepulveda Boulevard. Yeah, Ventura and Sepulveda in Sherman Oaks, California. I'm 18 years old. He sits me in his office. He took the time with a kid that he probably knew didn't have any money, and he did. And for that, I am eternally grateful because Steve changed my life and changed your life because right now you're listening to the show. You wouldn't have done that, right? So your life would be different. Uh, I don't know what it, where he is. I, I was able to catch up with him many years later, many, many years later, and we had had some level of success, and I went to him and thanked him for all that he had done for me uh, you know, many, many years earlier. And it was wonderful to see a look, one, of surprise on his face because, look, all of you deal with people every day and you don't necessarily think that you make a huge impact. Some of you don't. Some of you purposely don't want to make an impact in people's lives. I understand. There's reasons. And others of you, like the lady that works at the big box store that's a greeter, that's all she wants to do. She wants to make this part of your life a little bit happier today. Is that not amazing? Right? I mean, when you think about it, whether you believe Jesus was God or not, he was a decent person. His goal was to make life better for people. So, you know, maybe we should emulate that a little bit more. Okay, Donna, let's finish. You really want to make sure my income doesn't decrease by half. That's my task, right? Of the whole story of the much larger email, I read a portion of it, the much larger email, the, the, my task, TFS Financial's job is this. Can I make sure the income does not decrease by half after Mike passes away because of his pension? So the answer is yes. And here's how we would do it. That $500,000, now I don't know your age, but I'm going to guess you're in your mid-60s, let's say, because you're retired now. So, and you're both healthy, so I don't expect it. So let's say 500000 by the time you're ready to retire, uh, and and live and need this money and then Mike passes away, let's say it's more than 10 years from now. Okay? That means 500,000 probably will be close to a million, maybe even a bit more than that. That million dollars, based on your age of 70, on and on, I'm guessing somewhere around $3,000 a month is what you can expect for the rest of your life. So 10 years from now, 500000 becomes about $3,000 a month 
forever. And it goes up a little bit each year that the market goes up. So in other words, it tries to keep up with inflation. It helps offset some of the bad days. Very important. Because for you guys, for us, you mean to tell me that a half a, a, half a million dollars solves the entire problem? Yeah. Well, now you've saved over $3 million. What can you do? Right? Well, we can do something with maybe another half a million as a protection for long-term care. I'd probably build something like that in there. I'd recommend let's consider something to give you an extra source of income in case you're sick and can't work, um, you know, work around the house or work to care for each other. Then we're going to need some extra money. We need to hire somebody to come in, do the day-to-day stuff around the home, maybe even the caregiver. So maybe an extra 500000 for that. That still leaves $2 million. What would you do with some of it? Well, number one, I might say, you didn't mention you have children, but I'm going to assume you do. I'm going to want you to donate, give some to your kids. If you want the ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a year, that'd be nice because you have more than enough, right? But what about a charity? What if you can go and find, I don't know, a hospital? I'm partial to Providence. You've heard me say that I think Providence Hospital is probably one of the best systems, Holy Cross in particular, but Providence in general. Probably one of the best hospital systems in the country. And we happen to have them right in our backyard. From San Pedro to, to Mission Hills. And parts in between. And even a little bit further north and a little further south and east. So I, I think that that is a deserving place for at least a look at maybe donating some money. Creating a scholarship for nurses. Uh, creating a... a a program to educate people about diabetes or or strokes, right? Maybe they need an X-ray machine. Maybe they need, uh, you know, do you follow me on that? Because because there are things that you can do while you're still alive, and it doesn't affect your taxes. You can donate it directly. I won't get into those details because it's tax law, but we'll meet with your CPA. We'll meet with the the charity if you want us involved. They will lay out the process. They'll lay out the possibility. But wouldn't it be nice to give $100,000 while you're still alive? Watch what they do with it. You can choose the recognition or you can choose to be anonymous. But you have enough. You have a lot. You have an opportunity to do something pretty amazing. And that is to donate money while you're still alive and to see the impact. If you want to slowly drip money into a scholarship fund for grandchildren, I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't pay for all of their school. right? I don't think anybody appreciates anything that is completely paid for. Can you say student loans, uh, Sandy Cortez, right? Also known as AOC. I bet you she has that tattooed somewhere on her body, but that's just a, just a side note. Right, one of one of the most uh, grew up on Long Island. <laughs> Sounds like a country song. Grew up on Long Island, but thinks she's you know a, a woman of the people. I wouldn't give to that kind of charity. I wouldn't give to somebody who who is phony like her, or any of these organizations that support her. I wouldn't give to phony organizations that you know. I, I saw Levi's came out. Levi's come out and says, "Oh, we're going to pay for people to get abortions. We're going to fly them all over the country wherever they need to go." So, are you kidding me? You're in the state of California. 
Do you think state of California is ever going to do anything to ban abortions? Never. The Supreme Court uh, leak, if you will, right? The opinion leak, the, the, the edited version, the draft letter, whatever you want to call it, uh, says that it should revert to the states. Yeah, there's going to be 20 states, but you know what? If the people want it different, they vote different. Look, I, I think this is pretty important. Mike, Donna, what are your passions? What do you care about? Because you have accumulated enough money to have influence somewhere. Maybe not on who the next president of the United States is going to be, but you have enough to make in, to create influence somewhere. We check the boxes. We make sure that the income is there. So if Mike passes early, we have enough money to cover the difference in the pension. That's 3000 a month. So that would mean... You know, Mike's pension would be six grand a month now. If it reduces by half, that's three, and then the other three would be answered by that five hundred thousand. Okay, well that's that's a pretty good chunk. If that's not enough for you, if you go, oh, air, if I needed four thousand, then we just go from five hundred to six hundred, or we move it up a little bit. That's fine. We can true it up or go down. The point is, you have an entire Home Depot or Lowe's full of pieces and parts, and you can make an entire house. Right? Remember, there's a difference. Some people walk into those places and look around and they say, I see lumber, I see doorknobs, I see lights. Other people walk in and say, I see a fourplex, I see an apartment building. I see homes for homeless people that we can build tiny houses and create a place for them to get off the street. I see a homeless shelter we can build, I mean, right? Some people see the very, very small detail and others see the entire project. You guys can now afford, if you have saved more than what you need. I get it. Inflation is going to be there and it will eat up some of this. No question. But I think you have enough to even outpace that. So I want you guys to start going through this in your life. Everybody, consider the purpose of your life. Consider the purpose of your money. So here are my three questions. And I want all of you to do this, by the way. So I'm going to wait a second, let you grab a pen. I'm going to tell you the phone number one more time. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Okay, 888-99-RETIRE. If you want to send me an email, it's at arif, arif at tfswealth.com. Arif at tfswealth.com. Okay, here are my three questions. And if, it, if you have a partner, a spouse or a partner, I want you to take those questions and, and separate. Each of you write them separately. Okay, then you guys can come back and you can compare them together. It's what we have our clients do. Sometimes we'll run them through an exercise where I'll have you, if I'm not clear on a couple of things, I'll say, you know what, here's, here's some questions that I want you to, to answer, write them down and bring them back to me. And we can build an income strategy around that. And here's what they are. Question number one, what would you do with $10 million? What would you do with $10 million? Okay, what would you do with $10 million? And I want you to, you can do it by a list. You can do it bullet points. You can give me paragraphs. You can write them to whatever it is. I want each of you to go through and put some thought into it. All right, what would you do with $10 million? The second one is pretty important as well. Describe your perfect day. Describe your perfect day. 
What is it like? Describe your perfect day. I wake up in the morning. Here's what I do. Here's where I go. Okay, here's who I'm with. And then I go to sleep, right? I want, I want those details. The more vivid you are, and I expect you to write it and rewrite it. Just like a good essay in school. You did some drafts. You did some edits. You started, you went back, you go forward, you crossed out. Same thing. Follow me? What would you do with $10 million and describe your perfect day? Okay, those two things. Before I get to the third question, here's what they answer. Your checkbook and your date book. What would you do with your money? What do you do with your time? Because those are the two things that you have in life that are valuable. There are other things that are valuable, of course. But those two things are some of the most valuable things that people have. Because time is really just a manifestation in money. And money is a manifestation of time. In other words, I gave up this time and it gave me this money. Right? I, I spent the time, I invested it, I, I, I wasted it, I worked, whatever I did. And in exchange, I have these dollars. So these dollars are, are a representation of the time that I spent to make them. So what do I do? What's valuable about it? Well, I'm, I've got to be careful. That's why when some of you take your life savings and you gamble it in risky investments, I, I shake my head. I said, what if I was to say, okay, hey guys, hey, eight hours a day, I need you to bust your tail. This is a work day. Work hard, all eight hours. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to keep all your money. You're not going to make a penny. You would say, what, Arif, you're crazy. I'm not going to do that. But you do it in the market where you lose $5,000 a day or $25,000 or $200,000 in a month. I mean, right? You guys do that all the time. You gave up a month, six months, a year worth of wages. So you have to ask yourself, when am I going to be done with that kind of risk? So what would you do with your time? What did you do with the money? Those two things. All right, here's the third one. The third one is all about our destination. The third one is all about how you want to be remembered. So you tell me how you want to be remembered because that's the destination. That's the goal. Remember, the more effort you put into this, I think the better off you're going to be because here's what happens. People will go through and they'll say, well, uh, I want to be remembered as a good dad, good father, uh, a good man, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, I don't know what good means. Good to some people is different than good to other people. So what does that mean? So I want you to sit down and write this out, uh, Mike and Donna as well, but everybody, how do you want to be remembered? Give me some detail. Do you want to be remembered as the, the guy or gal telling funny stories? Does it matter to you that your grandkids see you or don't see you? Right? Do you want to communicate with them? And I want to be clear with something. I, I can get in line behind everybody else who beats up phones and technology and iPads and computers and the Internet and on and on. We can do that all day long. Right? I mean, you understand that. We can do that all day long. There's a ton of reasons why those things don't work. But here's the other reasons why they do. One, for some men who can't apologize, the cell phone is a pretty neat little way to send a text and say, I'm sorry. The emotional impact on the recipient is huge. It's huge. 
It's just like if I pulled something out, maybe not exactly the, the total effect, but the emotional impact is very similar. Hey, honey, I'm so sorry I made a mistake. I love you. I love you too. So sorry. I forgive you. That can be done in 18 words. And maybe some men don't have the courage or the ability to, to do that. What about to their daughters? What about to their sons? Right? So when you get to the grandparents, oh my gosh, you're telling me that I can FaceTime and see my grandchildren even though they're far away on the other side of town or the other side of the country? And I can do that on a daily, weekly basis, whereas before it was difficult to fly or the amount of money that it costs for a long-distance phone call, I could do them once a month. Right? I mean, so I get it. Technology can be a pain and it's and it can be overdone and even even a problem. But look at how we've gone to seniors. They've been able to learn how to use the internet, social media, to a good way, right? We don't want to talk about the bad right now. But what does it do to you when you're trying to create a life where there's still a relationship? How many of you, including my senior clients, because some of you did this, how many of you, 60-something, 70-something, and you met your spouse online? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 50-something. There's even special, you know, dating websites for whatever they call it, you know, gray and gray and available or something. I don't know what they call it. Complete dating sites for people in their 50s and 60s. Second chance or I'm not dead yet. I don't know what they call it. (laughs) The silver singles. Yeah, that's it. My producer Joe is telling me. I like mine better. I'm not dead yet. (laughs) Dot com. Some of you have met the, the your spouses and and love interests and partners. I think that's amazing, right? So technology is not all bad. You may not have ever met that person in the other side of town. Even younger people, right? Unless you go to bars and clubs, that was never my scene. So so where church youth groups? If if you go to what if you have a small church, right in the youth group? Because I the the church that I attended when I was eighteen, that's where I became a believer. I think we had twenty people in our kids youth group, and maybe. 10 showed up at any one time. And that was from the ages of, you know, elementary to high school. So that's not a place to find a partner necessarily. So my point is, the internet has done some amazing things for relationships. And as you guys are are aging and you're doing things and you're retiring, it doesn't matter where you are, the relationship can continue. And for some of you where your children are in three different states or your son, daughter, cousin, mother and you can live anywhere, live close enough to an airport where you can jump on a plane in the morning and have lunch with your family. You stay two nights and you come back home. The whole thing costs you what? Especially if you stayed with them. $180, $280, $300, maybe, more or less. Isn't that amazing to be, that we are able to live at a time where you didn't have to say goodbye like my dad to his parents in Lebanon? See you later. When am I going to see you? I have no idea. Right? The, the, the tube underneath the ocean that takes the, the telephone sometimes works and sometimes has an echo. And remember, hello, hello, yeah, yeah, blah, blah. how are you? Fine. Same old stuff. Right? Like Wheel of Fortune. You get you know, three letters in a vowel or something. That's it. R-S-T-L-N-E. You just check the box and you say, how are you? Everything's good. Answered all the questions. 
we have an amazing time and I want you to have purpose and enjoy it. And don't forget your money can make a difference as well. Answer those three questions. Share it with each other. See how life changes. I think it'd be interesting to know. Thanks for being with me, guys. Arif Hallaby, tfswealth.com. So Arif at tfswealth.com or 888-99-RETIRE. Thanks for reaching out. You have a wonderful Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Love you, Mom. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Hallaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.